in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's show we take a look on the German movie industry and we have a portrait of the German duo Trum. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Wiesbaden. The re-election campaign of Roland Koch causes big trouble. In an open letter addressed to the governor of Hesse and Chancellor Angela Merkel, an association representing some hundred immigrant groups in Germany expressed its frustration about the xenophobic campaign. Koch had begun demanding that more action should be taken against criminal young foreigners after an elderly man was attacked in the Munich subway in December. The offenders were a Turkish young man born in Germany and a young immigrant from Greece. Koch also was criticized from the opposite Social Democrats for using photos of the videotaped attack on election campaign posters. Heidelberg Scientists at the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy have discovered a hulking planet with 10 times the mass of Jupiter. But it's not just big, it's also the youngest planet ever found. The scientists hope that the heavenly body will shed more light on how planets, including those in our solar system, are created in the first place. The star is estimated to be just 8 to 10 million years old. That's young in comparison with Jupiter, which is thought to be 4.5 billion years old. The name is TW Hydra B. Nürnberg. A newborn little polar bear is the star of the Nuremberg Zoo. After two polar bear cubs were apparently eaten by their mother at the zoo, officials decided to follow their Berlin colleagues and spare a third cub by bottle feeding. The little cub is a four-week-old girl and weighs 1,700 gram. The critical period for the bears to survive will last until March. One month later, the zoo will present the little girl to the public, then with a name that should be found until then. Hannover. Wilhelm Busch, the great-grandfather of modern comics, died 100 years ago. To celebrate this anniversary, the Hannover Museum is doing a special exhibit on him. Busch was often considered as macabre and even sadistic, but his work simply represented the reality he witnessed around him. That included rowdy children, drunken clergy and plenty of villagers who took their anger out on animals. His most famous work on the adventure of two unruly boys, Max and Moritz, was translated into over 100 languages and read around the world. Helgoland On the German island of Helgoland have shown 55 grey seals. Last year there were 32 and that already was a record. For centuries they stayed away from continental European beaches. They were likely hunted out of existence in the region, but now the situation seems to improve. Despite the population boom in northern Europe, the easiest place to go grey seal watching is the United Kingdom. Here live about 40% of the world's population, many of them in Cardigan Bay on the west coast of Wales.
Right now, the biggest German-language film festival outside of Germany is happening in San Francisco. The interest is big, thanks to current successes of German-language films abroad, like The Life of Others, Downfall, Goodbye Lenin or Run Lola Run. Ingrid Eggers of the Goethe-Institut has been organizing this festival since the beginning in 1996. She knows what her audience likes to see and how the German film changed over those years. There are many more good films, I would say, today than when we started with Berlin and Beyond in 1996. I think that because there is more money in Germany for making movies, more people are involved in making movies, film schools have come up, uh, become quite famous in Germany, where people find young wonderful talents. I think all this uh, might go back to the money. The more money you have, the more people become interested in making movies. And I think over the last 10, 15, 20 years or so, Germany definitely has come up with a number of interesting, uh, good movies, I would say, many more than 15 years ago. But is money really responsible for the creativity that is there? Not really, of course not. I mean, you always can come up with examples, you know, that uh, in the 60s and 70s there were lots of creative people in Germany and they made movies without any money. Uh, very true, you know, Fassbinder and Wenders and Herzog and all those names made movies without any budgets. But times have changed and we know that if you put a lot of money into a certain kind of uh, sector of cultural things, you might get better outcomes. I mean, maybe you could say that there weren't that many talented filmmakers around in the, in the 80s. But if you put a lot of money into making movies, you find those talents and you can develop that and you can educate them and you find even more talents. So money has something to do with it. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that, but not everything. That's true. It seems to me that just judging by the films at Berlin and Beyond, that today there's a wider spectrum of topics than there was 15 to 20 years ago in German films. I don't know about the variety of topics. Of course, you know, the more movies are made, the more, the bigger the variety of topics. That's true. And uh, this year we do have a focus on comedies, which uh, is something that people usually uh, don't connect with. You know, German uh, film and comedy is not something that comes up immediately if you think about German films. But interesting enough that um, just by chance, I would say, This year we have a number of light movies or comedies that uh, are quite good. So people do experiment with all kinds of genres, I would agree with that. And the more filmmakers you have and uh, the more talents are created in film schools or otherwhere, uh, the more interesting, wider varieties of films you will get out of that. The German filmmakers become more confident in what they're doing? I think so, you know. It also has to do with how many films are bought in the U.S. I mean, the U.S. is still the, the market that everybody wants to get into. And if you sell your film on the U.S. market, you know, that's always a sign of success, I think. And I can say that we have more and more films that we show at Berlin and beyond that are bought for the American market not just the big things, you know, the lives of others. 
uh, which we didn't show last year because Sony bought it and they don't usually show their films in smaller film festivals. But there are many more films that um, uh, are bought now by American distributors, like our opening night film this year, The Edge of Heaven, bought by Strand Releasing, and we are very happy that we got this deal done in the last minute. So uh, we always have to be careful now and make sure you know that we contact the right distributor, and that's definitely a sign of success, I think, for German movies so to have a market here. There were some successes of German films abroad, like Downfall or Nowhere in Africa or last year's Academy Award-winning film The Life of Others. Do those successes spark an interest in the German film over here? I think, you know, there's one thing about German films in big cities. You know, of course, you know, if you release a German film here, like uh, Downfall or The Lives of Others, you will see it for maybe a month, maybe even for longer in the uh, theaters. If you go across the country, the picture changes because, you know, you have to read subtitles and so on. But this is the, the kind of public, you know, that everybody's dreaming of, like here in San Francisco where people read subtitles. The same thing in New York, L.A. and big cities. I think that definitely success creates more confidence and German filmmakers are um, or know that you know they might have a chance to enter this market with their film uh, depending on what they do. I mean if you look back and if you look at these films that really became successful here in this country and got Oscars or were Oscar nominated, most of them still have to do with the Nazis. This is a very, still very popular topic. Lola Runs is, uh, or Run Lola Run is an exception, I would say. Even Goodbye Lenin is a political topic, you know, has political uh, themes. Uh, definitely the lives of others, which is almost a continuation of what you know happened with the Nazis here you look at East Germany so topics uh, from Germany are still I think more successful if you deal with politics or if you deal with Nazis themes or GDR themes does a successful film like the life of others help you when the Goethe Institute present German films over here Well, as I said already, you know, this is not the only film that really was very successful here. Uh, there are three or four films in the last uh, four or five years that made it into the Academy Award shortlist, and two of them got an Academy Award. Now, what's the effect? Uh, some of the filmmakers stay in Germany, others come here. I know that uh, Henkel von Donnersmark is uh, well settled in L.A., and will make movies in Los Angeles. Uh, what does it do to the German film industry? I don't know. I mean, it definitely leaves um, a mark that people remember this film as one of the best. Remember Das Boot many, many years ago? Uh, that was also a favorite here in America. And Peterson went to LA and made movies uh, in Hollywood ever since. So, These kind of, you know, lucky strikes, I guess, uh, are good in general, I think, for people to remember German films and to see that everything is going uh, forward. 
uh, in the long run, I don't know. It might have an effect because they might bring people over here, you know, when they do their next film. And But the other thing is, you know, we don't want to lose all these talents. We, I mean, I'm also American, but uh, if they just stay in Hollywood and make movies here, then I think after a while you won't remember that they are German filmmakers. The same with the Peterson, I think. It's uh, something that uh, most people forgot, that he's a German filmmaker. But in general, it always has a positive impact if you have a good film that people liked and that made it. You mentioned that the wide-known German films are political ones. Hollywood is doing a lot of political movies. So what makes a German movie different from their counterparts over here? I think you have to distinguish between independent films here in America and Hollywood films. The tendency in Hollywood is to really stress emotions. If you do a political film, you know, you want to add something that really gets to the people that they identify with or that they suffer with or they enjoy with or laugh with, whatever. But the emotional part, I think, is really the difference that America, or Hollywood definitely, looks at this aspect of a film. Um, it, Germany, I mean, the, the lives of others did that too. And I think everybody agreed that uh, the film from that perspective was a very American film. It had a wonderfully developed story with characters who turned around and changed and so on. In uh, other German films, you might not see that so, so clearly. But I think this emotional impact or being attached to attach the film to all kinds of emotions is something that Americans are the great masters in, and Germany or the German filmmakers might be a little more cautious with that. And in the past, you know, these films have then been uh, seen as dark and as uh, uh, difficult to watch and, you know, no happy endings and these kind of things. So here in America, it's different. They, most people want a happy ending, even if the film is difficult to watch. And this is uh, something that Germans uh, probably treat differently. This is my experience also seeing the films that I get for Berlin and beyond. You can find out more about German movies at goethe.de.
The German music scene is known abroad for their experimental approaches. Just think of bands like Faust, Einstürzende Neubauten or Teeraumschmiere. And there are so many more who play around with sounds, noises, materials and instruments. Raphael Smarsoch from Cologne is a radio host and himself a huge fan of the more avant-garde music scene. In the following report he portrays the Bremen-based project Trum, a duo that works with musical atmospheres. Talking about the German duo Trum, their name and offspring from an old German word meaning dream, one has to immediately think about the mystery of the drone. In music sciences the drone is considered to be a note or a chord which is sustained or permanently repeated throughout a musical composition or improvisation. Typical instruments which are related to the sound of a drone are for example the Scottish bagpipes or the hurdy-gurdy. Its origin can even be traced back to the 11th century. That means that the drone is a unique and timeless musical expression. Even transcriptions of ancient Greek music show that the drone was a common sonic element back then. The prelude to Richard Wagner's Rheingold belongs to the most popular drone pieces in the classical music world. Its arrangement offering a sustained E-flat chord which is held throughout the whole movement. In the 60s Lamonte Young, the father of American minimal music, transferred the drone into the world of avant-garde composition and also connected it with his group Theater of Eternal Music to the electrified world of rock musics. Today there is even an own experimental genre called drone music. Trum's music is perceived in this particular genre. Stefan Kappe, one half of Trum, explains his definition of the drone. The drone is for me the construction of a special atmosphere. To describe it concretely, one would say that it is a tone which is played or sustained for a very long time. But besides that, I think that it also is about creating a spherical wall of sound. That means that it does not necessarily must be just one tone, it can be more, of course. Maybe it sounds a little exaggerated, but I believe that drones can lead you into another state of mind, because when it comes to pure sound there is a lack of common musical parameters like rhythm, melody or harmony. That, what you can rationally understand, is gone. You just get washed away by a sound. And this is a very basic idea in our music, to be drawn away by a sound. Stefan Kappe and Martin Glitch have worked under the name Trum since 1997. Before that they were active in the vital German industrial scene with the influential trio Mayrot Tree. Their music always had a strong emotional quality conjured by thick walls of sound with hidden traces of melodic progressions fantastically executed on their recent release Ives. 
Traum meaning dream in Old German, which is one of psychoanalysis' most important vehicles to venture into the unconscious mind, try to take this particular road too with their music. Therefore, the name Trum is also an abbreviation for Tiefenmusik reaching our unconscious minds, whereas Tiefenmusik is translated as music of the depths. Consequently, Trum tried to open the gates to the world of the unconscious, forging a path to the archaic. For me, a drone transports very fundamental emotions, which are, for example, experienced in a prenatal state of being. For example, the symbiosis of mother and child, or the experience of a disunion, or maybe all different kinds of basic emotions like aggression, anger and love. In a certain way, our music is also very basic and the utilization of fundamental elements of sound and harmony is very accurately expressed in our compositions. Trum's music is realized by a simple instrumental lineup. On their homepage and on their recent CD Ives, the German duo stresses the fact that all of their tunes were made with analog equipment, rejecting the digital comfort of a computer. Guitar, bass, voice, even concrete sounds like field recordings or old vinyl crackles are used to evoke a transcendental listening experience. This kind of approach shouldn't be confused with a severe dogmatism. Martin Glitch and Stefan Kappe admire the direct and sensitive approach to an instrument like a guitar, for example, where the sonic outcome of a musical event is directed by the player, immediately heard and not abstractly calculated by a machine. They believe that this kind of procedure is a direct way to communicate emotion. It is very important for me to have a certain physical contact to the instrument and establish a connection between the sensitive feeling and its direct translation into sound. If I am working with a computer, it is not the same experience as if I would be playing an instrument. I am feeling its vibrations and have a direct relation to its sound. To time, people accuse Trum's music as being esoterical or even touching the corny territories of New Age music. Talking about transcendentalism and reaching the inner spheres of the mind by musical hypnosis, this kind of charge is understandable. But when it comes to production values, New Age music always relies on a very clean and polished sound, whereas Trum's drones, to state Martin Glitch, mostly have the right amount of dirt. Their compositions shifting between glacial soundscapes and raw, threatening walls of distorted sound particles 
always finding a celestial equilibrium between those two poles. However, to say it in their own words, the music is dedicated to an unsurmountable emotion, which directly hits the listener and takes him away into unknown musical realms. You can find Troom online at troom.com, that's T-R-O-U-M.com. Thanks for listening to Radio Goethe magazine. You can find us online at radiogoethe.org. I'm Art Peltman. I wish I was a hunter in search of different food. I wish I was the animal which fits into that mood. I wish I was a person with unlimited breath. I wish I was a heartbeat that never comes to rest. Ich brauch dich doch auch nicht mehr als du mich 
Ich brauch dich doch auch nicht mehr als du mich. Ich brauch dich doch auch nicht mehr als du mich. Ich brauch dich doch auch nicht mehr.